church. Are you ready to go? Oh, they tell me that he smiles on, on his children. There and his smile charms his sorrow away. And they tell me that no tears ever come again. In that love and the Lord's not a
good morning, good morning. As you make your way back to your seats, you may be seated this morning before we have those coming to lead us in Scripture and prayer in just a moment. I want to make a couple of uh, housekeeping announcements and then I'll give you a couple of prayer requests to pray about. Um, as always, we ask if you wouldn't mind, please just silencing your cell phones, uh, at least put them on vibrate during the worship service aspect, uh, just so uh, that it is not a disruption to those around you. Uh, as well, if you have kids, make sure you please sign them out. We just don't let them come out of the uh, kids' ministry building on their own for safety purposes. So we do, if you have brought kids, um, please go pick up your kids and uh, don't leave them here. I, we, we are a biblical, a Bible-based church, but I'm not, I'm not Eli and I don't keep Samuel at the, prayer, at the house of the Lord. Okay, so you're on your own, so get your children. Now, if you have friends here and they want you to take their kids, y'all work that out. Just I want to leave when the kids are gone, so uh, make sure you get your kids today. Um, obviously, there's multiple announcements going on. Uh, you can check those out on the website. I'm not going to do that, but there's a couple announcements I want to make mention to you. Next Sunday, uh, we'll be honoring Veterans Day. Uh, if you uh, have a picture of yourself or maybe a spouse or maybe a, someone in your family, anyone that you may know of, that served uh, in the military, whether past or present. Um, if you would uh, be so kind by this Wednesday to get those turned into us, a picture of them, you can bring the original. We're not going to destroy them or whatever, but we're going to have a memorial table uh, that's set up here next Sunday with a, a little thing and something special that we're doing for service just to honor all our, our veterans and things that uh, uh, men and women that have served. And so some have already been bringing it. Thank you so much. But others, uh, we want you to bring it as well. Uh, you, you'll find these on the flyer out front, uh, the, uh, the information I'm about to give you. But don't forget our community Thanksgiving service uh, will be on a Tuesday, November 22nd, instead of Wednesday. We always bump it up the week of Thanksgiving so that you have Wednesday and Thursday to prepare uh, for those festivities. Um, so just make, make mention of that to you. Uh, those that are part of the leadership training, don't forget we have that coming up. And there is a typo. I just discovered it. The church Christmas party is not at 5. It is at 6. I made the adjustment on the screen. But on your flyers, it says 5 o'clock. That was a misprint. 5 o'clock was supposed to be, and I'll tell, share that with you, man. 5 o'clock is supposed to be for our Christmas Eve service so that you get out in time to be with your family. We wanted the church Christmas party to stay about the same time as church, not to confuse you at 6 o'clock, so make sure you're mentioned. If you come at 5, great, you get to fellowship with us an extra hour, but I'm not feeding you until 6, so so you can just come and hang out with us an hour early. Um, but the Christmas Eve service will be at 5 p.m., um, because some of you have family and things that you wanted to get to, and we understand that, but we wanted to give um, some of our people that are working multiple opportunities to celebrate Christmas, so we have Christmas Eve at 5, and then Christmas Day will be just a one-hour, 11 o'clock service to give you time with your family. Uh, as well, uh, some have been asking about the fellowship meals. We have been post we're going to postpone them until January 2023, only because there's too much people are trying to do. So to do a fellowship meal on Wednesday nights, along with everything else, it's just going to put a lot of pressure on people who are cooking for their families and things like that. So uh, they won't be until 2023. Uh, anyone watching online, it's more for our online guests. Uh, you can always listen to our services on Apple or Google Podcasts. Uh, you can always stream it online, which most people uh, uh, typically do if they're not here on uh, various platforms. All of the information I gave you is on our church website. Uh, you can look under events. You can also look under the calendar, and it'll give you a description of everything that you needed to know uh, as well. Let me say to all our online guests, as well as those of you that are in-house, if you are visiting with us today, 
you'll fill out a connection card in the seat in front of you. When it's over, you can put it in one of the wood boxes in the back, or you can give it to one of our hospitality team members. Normally, they are standing at the front door when you come in, uh, or someone. If you think they look important, just say, hey, do you happen to know who uh, is in charge around here? And hand them that card, and they'll get it to me. But we want to say thank you to all our visitors as well as home folks. We hope you feel right at home and come again. Uh, if you need anything, please let one of our hospitality team members know. To all our online guests, we welcome you to church today. Can we just give a hand of welcome to all our online guests today? At this time, I'm going to ask those leading in Scripture and prayer to make their way. Immediately following Scripture and prayer, Brother Jimmy Villanueva will be blessing us this morning. Uh, and I believe he will be singing Beulah Land today for us. So worship the Lord with Scripture and prayer and then singing right after that. God bless you. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, um, Paul's instruction to the Romans and also to us. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation, work of patience, patient experience, of experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Let us pray. Um, again, I'm thankful also to be in God's house. Thankful for this opportunity to be among those I'm familiar with and also some visitors. Praise the Lord. So let us pray. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, always for your love and mercy. Thankful to be within the body of Christ that we might come together, Lord, to worship you and give you all praise. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless and touch and minister in this service today, Lord, in song and preaching of your word. Father, I love you and I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we have liberty, Lord, to lift up holy hands and holy hearts to an awesome God. Lord, have your way in this service, we pray in Jesus' name. the Lord. The Lord is saying about the unclouded sky, we're going to a place, Beulah land, that doesn't have any clouds. Hallelujah. I guess that the Lord says, well, let's make a cloud today. He might make one. But it's going to be a beautiful place. But you got to be prepared to go there. You just can't go there because you think you want to go there. You have to be saved, born again. Worship with me today. I'm kind of old, sick for a country to which I've never been before. No.
song today. Thank you, Brother Jimmy, so much for that powerful Amen. reminder today. We're going to sing. We're going to ask you to stand all over the house. The reason we know that there's a place coming one day called Beulah Land is because we serve a God that's able not only to save us and to deliver us, but to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to sing that today. And we know God is faithful. And God is able. And we want to worship the Lord with that. So let's sing this morning. Glory, glory, God is able.
This is going to be a new song for probably many of you today, but this is a song I found a couple months ago, and we've been learning it here as the uh, as the uh, band. This morning, I want us to, even if you don't know it, you'll pick up on it pretty quick, but we've been talking about the unclouded day. We've been talking about Sweet Beulah Land. One of the reasons that we have the hope of that promise is because of the mercy of God. We are, we are saved, yes, by grace. We are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve heaven. We didn't deserve to be saved. It was because Jesus was a merciful God. He distributed mercy. What I deserved, he didn't give me. And what I got, I didn't deserve. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve mansions and streets of gold and gates of pearl. I don't deserve that. But the Bible said because of Jesus' righteousness being credited to me, I was gained access to the portals of heaven and the portals of glory. So this morning we want to sing to you, and, and, and if you know it, we want you to sing with us, or you'll pick up on it pretty quick. But we want to sing the song that's literally called Mercy, that what the Lord can do. So let's worship the Lord together.
And Brother Hart is one of them that's a retired minister. Brother Carlsey was a part of that until he decided to unretire himself and, uh, and go back to pastoring. So he doesn't get to reap the benefits because he's no longer retired. He's like retired, tired, retired. I don't know what he is, but he doesn't know sometimes. I don't know. But he's, uh, he, uh, but Brother Art is a part of that. And so we, uh, every year we take up an offering for the retired ministers. And what it does is it provides them the opportunity to get a Christmas gift. They take them out to a Christmas dinner, all our retired ministers on the campground, things like that. They go to a Christmas dinner. They get a Christmas gift, a Christmas uh, offering, if you will, a stipend. And then any kind of events that happen throughout the state, uh, if they can't afford to pay their way, those retired ministers, that fund helps pay for them to go to camp meetings and other things like that. And some of those men have, have been, spent countless hours, days, weeks, months, and years paving the way for people like me to be able to have a place to stand and a place to minister. And so they are they deserve to be honored. Uh, they have pay cuts. They've sometimes not been able to get a paycheck so that the church light bill could stay on. They deserve to be honored. And so we want to honor them. Uh, as well in this place. Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, we're going to begin reading there in verse number 18. And we're going to ask you if you have your Bibles. I have laid my phone down. There it is. It's like I've laid my phone down. I can't see that clock. So if I don't have the phone, y'all don't know how long we'll be here because I can't see the time. So Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 18, if you'll stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. We're in a uh, series uh, called Assignments. We're, we're spelling the word finish, so we're going to finish the letter N today and talking about networking. Uh, we have talked about finding them. We've talked about interceding on their behalf, and today we're going to be talking about the, the networking aspect of that. If you remember our vision, reach, disciple, pray, one person, one family, one community at a time. Here's what the word of the Lord said in Jeremiah. Who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? It, one translation actually says, I wrote it right here in my Bible. You can see where it's highlighted. I actually wrote the word. One translation said, who has stood? Who has stood in the counsel of the Lord that he should hear his word? Who has given heed to his word and listen? Verse 19, behold, the storm of the Lord has gone forth in wrath, even as a whirling tempest. It will swirl down on the head of the wicked. Verse turn back until he has performed and carried out the purposes of his heart. In the last days. Can somebody say we're in the last days, church? We're in the last days. There will come a time. The anger of the Lord. He's not going to relent. He's going to have enough of it. A belly full of it. That's why Tuesday's really. Lord's going to be tired of this foolishness we're living in. He, he will not turn back. Until he has performed and carried out the purposes of our in the last day, you will clearly understand it. You're going to see God's God in the last days. Verse 21. He said, I did not send the prophets you hear. Can I tell you that everything that says they're of God right now ain't of God, church? You better know who you follow. You better know who you believe. Everybody that gets TV time and has enough money and private jets and tells you to do this, that, and the other, not all of them are the voice of the Lord. Some of them are the voice of self trying to convince you they're the voice of the Lord. God doesn't charge for prayer. Hello? God doesn't charge for anointing cloths. God doesn't charge for holy water across from Israel out of the Jordan River. God doesn't charge for his spirit. You do not send these prophets, but they ran. They went ahead and did it anyway. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. Listen, there are people out there speaking on behalf of God, and God wasn't the one talking. 
again. Some translation says the inner circle. If they had been in my inner circle with me, they would have announced my words to my people and would have turned them, look at the next line, back. He would have turned them back from their evil way and from their evil deeds. Listen, I don't, I'm not here to tell you, you know the voting sheets are out there. You can get them to see what your, your community and what your leaders are vote or what they stand for. I've got all those sheets out there that you can look at. I'm not telling you who to vote for. But I'm telling you that we as the church of the living God, regardless of what happens in Washington and regardless of what happens on November 8th, we as the church of the living God have to decree and declare what thus saith the word of the Lord to turn people back from their evil ways and their evil deeds. We have to say what God's word says, not what we want men's ears to hear because in the last days men will turn aside with itching ears they will heap unto themselves teachers that will teach them false doctrine we can't have that in the world we live in today they will turn back from their evil deeds so I want to continue the final part of this thought process who is in your inner circle who is in your inner circle let's pray Heavenly Father to the best of my ability let me preach the word of God that you've laid on my heart. Let me preach like a man from another world under the unction and direction of the Holy Spirit. Anoint these lips of clay. Take a coal from the altar of heaven. And anoint these lips of clay to speak the word of the Lord. Help me to hear from heaven. Lord, help me to be able to speak only what you won't heard. And Father, I pray that you would help us not only be hearers, but doers of the word likewise. And we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ Jesus our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I started this thought process a couple weeks ago of who's in your inner circle. We walked through a couple points. If you are note takers, you'll see these in your notes. We asked you to be selective with whom you align. I feel a sneeze coming on. I'm trying to, not, I don't have a, a itch back here. I'm trying to mute this microphone if I end up sneezing. Something up here has, has just got me allergic for some reason. Be selective with whom you align. Then we talk about the second part is whoever you have. Here it comes. Time. Every time I touch that microphone, it is a trick of the enemy. I go to touch the microphone, it goes away. I'm just going to hold the microphone for a while. We talked about that whoever's in your inner circle will affect your destiny. The people you surround yourself will have trajectory on where your life is headed. You hang around with, I tell this to the teenagers all the time. I don't know if it does any good, but I tell it to them anyways. You hang around a bunch of vagabonds and hoodlums, you're going to grow up to be a hoodlum. Sometimes you, if you don't want to be cracked up, doped up, shacked up, messed up, you know, you need to hang out with people who don't do all those things. You need to find people that are like-minded of the faith. you got to surround yourself with the people you want to be like one day. And, and, and I've heard, I think it was John Maxwell said that if you're the smartest person in your circle, you need to find a new circle because you've reached your cap. you got to find people that's going to stretch your thought process sometimes. Your circle is integral in who you are. So we talked about what it means to have an inner circle that will affect your destiny. So number three in this is this. You sometimes have to be willing to deflect when necessary. The word deflect literally means in the English language to cause something to change direction, turn aside, or deviate from its intended purposes. I'm a big football fan. I'm a big sports fan. It don't really matter what sports. I, if, it, if it says it's sports, I can follow it. I, I watch all kinds of sports I don't even understand. I can just find sports. I just love it. 
but I've played baseball, I've played basketball, and I've played uh, football. I love all those sports. In any of those sports, there can be a positive or negative aspect, but in football, when the quarterback drops back to throw the pass, if the defender is guarding the wide receiver and the intended target is the wide receiver to catch it, if that defender cannot intercept it, his coaches will tell him, just try to deflect the ball. All the coach wants him to do is to touch the ball so the ball will not make it to its target. It'll go this way or that way or it'll spin off. Somewhere. The goal is to, to distract it or deflect it to it deviates from its intended purpose or it changes direction so that it doesn't reach its mark. Sometimes in our spiritual journey, we have to realize that the way we were living in sin sometimes had to get us off that course and following him. We have to. That's what repentance is all about. It's called changing my direction. I, I can't be saved and still live like I did prior to becoming saved. I can't still listen to the same. If I can still listen to the music I listened to before I got saved, I didn't really get saved, church. If I can still say the words I used to say before I got saved, I really didn't get saved, church. Spontaneous sanctification versus progressive sanctification. I had one person ask me one time, Pastor, do you believe in instantaneous in progressive sanctification and I said yes they said no which one I said yes and they said no we want to know do you stand for instant or do you stand for progressive I said yes they said what are you talking about I said I stand for both because I do think you can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit at an altar and he can begin that sanctification process but it ain't just a one time thing the Bible says I have to crucify myself daily there's going to be times I flip the radio dial that one of those songs I used to jam out to in 1960 comes across the radio station and I have to realize you know what but God saved me from that so my sanctification has to kick in and say I better just go ahead and change it to the Christian radio station because the reality of it is there are times in our seasons of life I can't walk like I used to walk I I can't talk like I used to talk. I can't live like I used to live. Once I gave my heart to Jesus, there had to be a transformation of my life. And so the enemy knows that. And so the enemy knows that right now, if you are saved, you're on a trajectory to make heaven your final resting place. So the enemy's job is to try to deflect all of the things of this world, and, or the, the things of heaven, and try to distract you and deviate you off your track, to deflect you from the things of God. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, we read it a couple weeks ago, he said, you guys are getting bogged down in the minutia of things that you don't understand because they started like this. Well, we, sir, we, we are under the teachings of Apollos. And the others were saying, yeah, but we heard the teachings of Paul. And Paul said, you missed the point. God, somebody plants the seed. Somebody waters the seed. But all of the credit gets glory to God. I don't care if you sat under Jonathan Vaughn. I don't care if you sat under Bruce Fox. I don't care if you sat under Keith Vaughn. I don't care if you sat under the Pope. We all have to give glory to the one and only Jesus Christ. If we don't have to have preacher religion we have to have a God relationship in our life it's not about the preacher it's about the Lord Paul said why are you arguing we're all teaching the same thing it's of God it's the principles of God Paul probably understood the words of Psalms 133 and verse 1 better than anybody how pleasant it is for people to dwell together in unity why are we arguing amongst ourselves we're a team we're doing this together I've said it many times before, and I stand by this statement. And I know we're online. I'll be censored before this day's over with. I don't care if Santee Circle Community Church has more than us today. God bless them if they do. If faith amongst corner across the street has 200 this morning, praise the Lord God Almighty. If Freedom Church or Cypress Garden Post has four services today and then it
God be the glory if they uplifted Jesus today and helped people to see Jesus. Now, if they didn't, that's a different ballgame, church. But if they told them about Jesus, praise the Lord. I'm not here to build my kingdom. This 1211 North Highway 52 is not my kingdom. It belongs to God. It was deeded to God. It was prayed to by to, to the Lord about this property. The church was built. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It's not my building. I may have to pay the light bill, but it's it's not my building. I don't have to worry about the light bill. The Bible said if God is with me, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I don't have to worry and fret because God is still in control. It's not our church. It's not my church. It's his church because he's the only one that died for it. I don't care what other people are doing. The more the merrier. We're all one team. We're all trying to get people to Jesus. The goal is to get everybody to know who Jesus is. That's the goal. He said, we dwelled in unity. In our spiritual journey, we must decide what things we things we part ways with. I already talked about the process, but there are times in our lives we have to realize that people that used to be in our circle no longer fit in that circle anymore. Because I'm going to tell you something. The closer you get to God, the smaller your circle your circle becomes. It starts to shrink. When you're living in sin, everybody wants to be a part of your fun days. Ask the prodigal son. The Bible said when he went out and he got his inheritance, he went out and lived lavishly, and he had lots of friends. Oh, they all love to go party with prodigal son. They love to go to the club with prodigal son. They loved when he bought their drinks. They loved when he bought their dinner. They loved when he ran out of money. The Bible said he found himself in a pig pen. No friend offered a house to stay in. No friend offered to take him in. Listen, you'll have a lot of friends while you're giving them something. If you don't believe it, just look at America. As long as people get free stuff, I know I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway. When you get free stuff, everybody will support you. But when you start making them get a job, they don't like you anymore. Your circle gets a whole lot smaller. I'm not here trying to preach one one politician or another. I'm here to tell you that everybody wants to be friends, but when you stop giving, they stop taking, and they stop coming around. They didn't offer the prodigal son a place to stay. The closer you get to Jesus, the smaller that circle becomes because not everybody wants to be held responsible to the things of God. In reality, most people don't want to get close to God because the closer you get to the Lord, the more he starts revealing the things that are wrong within your life. The Bible says darkness and light does not have, they cannot have been called out of darkness into his marvelous sight. The reality of it is the closer I get to Jesus, the more of the world has to get out of me. And people don't like that. They don't like that preaching. They don't like that teaching. They don't like that living. When one networks within the kingdom of God, they must align themselves with kingdom-minded people, not earthly-minded. The Bible says we're just pilgrims, sojourners on this land. We're not here to stay here. We're just here to occupy a season. Heaven's the final place. This is not final place. For some people, this might be the only taste of heaven they get. But the reality for the child of God, this should be the only hell we experience on this side of heaven. As bad as it is right now, let me tell you, not making heaven will be a whole lot worse than what you think it is right now. You can mark it down. You can tweet it. You can write it down. You can say, well, pastor said, I'm telling you, you don't know Jesus. This is a cupcake walk than what, to what hell will be like one day. And you say, well, this is bad. Well, then you better make sure you know Jesus, honey. It's better if you go up. It gets worse when you go down. Hello. 
And I don't plan on, I don't like being put down as it is now. I certainly don't want to stay down. I want to get up. Even the Bible said the people that get put in the ground, the dead in Christ rise up. I want to go up with them. I want to go up, not go down. Reality of it is, spiritual journey in which we are on, we have to decide what things to part ways with. You see, deflection can be both positive and negative. And a positive, for an example, not only protects you from the elements, but certain uh, architectural structures can allow the roofs to actually deflect the heat of the sun and send a, you know, like, like for an example, uh, people that use metal roofing a lot. You go walk on a midsummer day barefooted on top of a metal roof in South Carolina, and you tell me how comfortable that feels. If you do, don't come back and sue me for third-degree burns on your feet because you were stupid to do what I just said. But it ain't going to feel good. But you don't feel that in the house, that hot. Because the way they have designed that, and there are different, uh, it deflects, it, it absorbs, but the heat is reflected or deflected off so that inside the house doesn't become heated in furnace. A mirror, a mirror for an example. Now some of y'all may have used one this morning, some of y'all may not have used one this morning. I don't know, you and God have to decide that, how you look today. But that reflection you see, sometimes it looks good. In fact, this morning, I was in Sunday school, and uh, we have one particular young man in this church who just knows today is his day. He is sure of himself. He knows today is his day. I said something to his lovely wife. I said, well, I said, um, have you had your coffee today? Have you had your salty chips today? Have you had all your... I want to make sure you're doing good. I want to make sure everything's great. I want to make sure that you're feeling... Great, I don't, you know, do I need to go get you a snack and a drink? Do I need to go get you something? And she said, no, I think I'm okay. I said, is it getting better? To which this strapping young gent looked at me without even missing a cue and said, every day she looks at me is a good day. You know, I don't know if every day, and he gets up in the mirror, if she feels that way or not, or gets up and looks in the mirror. I don't know. Maybe every day she does look at him and think she's a lucky, that she's a lucky woman, and he, he, he knows he's a lucky man. Maybe. But then I'm reminded that uh, there was a time period in life that he went through a midlife crisis. Uh, and it's called, uh, he shaved his facial hair off and went with the stash look, the Pedro mustache look. She, she never said, and all that time he had that, she, I never heard her say, wow, honey, you look good. In fact, all I ever heard was, when is it going to come all back? Like, when are we getting it all back? See, maybe she's not like my wife. My wife, um, I assume this is for me. Is that who that's for? Oh, well, thank you. God bless you. I'll increase your salary by 5%. 5% of zero is still going to be zero. The reality of it is, though, that my maybe this particular young lady is not like my wife. My wife, I one time, not too long ago, I decided I got this wild hair idea. I wanted to go baby face. I just wanted to shave it all off for a season. I just wanted to start fresh. I didn't tell her. That was sort of state number one. That was the first problem. Men, marriage advice 101, if you're thinking about something and you're not sure, ask first before you do it. That's free. I don't even charge you for that. Shaved it all off. I got out the shower, went out in the other room. It was not, Brother Tyler, oh, I'm a, you, no, no, that wasn't the conversation I got that day. In fact, the first words I got was, what have you done? 
don't know, but apparently this, anytime a woman says, what have you done? That is not a compliment, man. That is normally like an, almost like an insult to your intelligence. Just letting you know. That means they think you've done something dumb, okay? Now, I have learned in my life, my wife says I am, I am good at deflecting things. She's like, you, in good conversation, you deflect. So I tried to deflect the conversation. I said, what do you mean, babe? What have I done? I played dumb. Like, I know it's gone. I know where this is going. She said, what did you do to your face? I said, is something, is something different? I'm just trying to milk this thing. And she said, don't do it again. Just don't do it again. Reality of it is deflection can be positive sometimes, but sometimes it can have a negative connotation. Can I tell you that the Bible teaches that we are a part of this world, but we're not of it? Just because we are in the world don't mean we associate ourselves of the world. We have to sometimes separate ourselves from things. Can I tell you, you hear people all the time say, well, we just want to be a relevant church. What, what does that mean? Don't, don't really answer that. I'm just, I've often thought that, oh, we are a relevant church. So that means the rest of us are irrelevant? Like, I don't really know who defines relevancy here. Um, I thought this was the book we guided, we, we, we guided the church by. I didn't know we had other alternatives to it. So, so I wrote this statement down, and this is just for me, but I'm going to share it with you because it made me feel good, so I'm going to let you know. Relevancy does not mean adjacency. You think about that for a minute. Relevancy does not mean adjacency. One does not have to look like the world, act like the world, be like the world, or create their own testimony to reach the world. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard come out of hell. Well, you got to get close to them. You got to understand. You can go take them out to lunch, but you don't have to take them to the bar and drink with them to reach Jesus. You don't have to up from time to time and say a few words I, I have a whole lot of Jesus and a few curse words no you don't you have no Jesus and you need to get that curse words out your mouth the reality of it is you don't have to look like them dress like them talk like them live like them to reach them if they don't see any difference why are they going to want to change they have to come out from among them and be separate they have to see a difference in your life to want to serve Jesus Jesus understood the value of deflection in Jesus' ministry he was surrounded himself with five types of people the first group of people he has surrounded himself around was called the multitudes that was group number one thousands of people thronged him were always around him large crowds followed him but they were just seasonal people just passing through they only followed Jesus because he fed them and did miracles for them we call that seasonal relationships. There are going to be people in your life, they were not intended to stay there forever. Your drinking buddy back in college days, once you got saved, he needs to be your college frat friend from back then. Not your still, the person you depend on. There are people that come through your life, they might have been for a season, but seasons come and go, and sometimes we have to let things come and go. They were seasonal. They were temporary. They stayed around Jesus as long as Jesus was doing something for them. But when Jesus stopped handing out, they stopped following. He ministered to them. Sometimes you have to let dead weight go. Because dead weight will hold you back from your intended destiny with God. You talk about assignments. You still try to hold on to the things of the past. And you still hold on to all the things you should have let go. You, you keep holding on to anger. You keep holding on to bitterness. You keep holding on to unforgiveness. You keep holding on to past things, past mistakes, past hurts. There comes a point you got to be like Elsa. And you got to have the spirit of Olaf. Sometimes you got to let it go. Let it go. Hold it back anymore. Let it go and get it out of here. Let it go. It's getting Christmas time. I'm already ready for snowmen. Olaf said it best. Let it go. Let it go. I told somebody the other day, I said, what is, they were, they were freaking out. And I said, 
all right, take a time out. They took they were freaking out and they took it out. I said, What changed? You you freaked out. Did it stop raining outside? No, it did not. It's still raining. I tell that to my my child all the time. He struggles with this principle. We were out here playing basketball yesterday as he's getting ready to start his basketball season, so we were practicing. It started raining. I saw tears well up in his eyes, and he's like, It's raining. I said, Go ahead and cry about it. I'm not a I'm not a sympathetic father, y'all. I'm working that part out. I'm not sympathetic. I'm trying, but I'm just not there yet. I said, cry. Why? Tears well. Go ahead and cry about it. I'm sure the rain's going to stop because you cried. Go ahead and cry. See what happens. What's that supposed to mean? I said, go ahead and cry. It kind of like teared up. And I said, it stopped raining, didn't it? No, sir. Yeah, so what's crying doing? Ain't done nothing. So why are we crying about it? We can't do nothing about it. Get over it. Crying. That's whatever. Sometimes in life, there are things we can't, we got to let it go. There's nothing, there's no reason to, to worry about it. We let it go. We can't change it. We can't fix it. It's over. Let it go. So that was group one. In order for someone's wounds to heal, they got to stop picking at them and touching them. The second group of people were what we call the 70 followers that you'll find in Luke chapter 10. They had a relationship with Jesus, but they weren't really super close with Jesus. They were acquaintances of him. They had a relationship from him, with the, but at a distance. Jesus loved them. He even sent them out to do work for him. But his level of investment was surface level. He just sent them out. They didn't stay with him all the time. They just were here, and they sent them out. The third group of people were the 12 disciples. Jesus invested time, resources. He put. He invested his life with them. They were close to him. They ate with him. They slept by him. They lived with him. He poured out his ministry, as Apostle Paul described, as a drink offering. He gave them all he had. That was group three. But it even got closer. That group of 12 got down into group four, which is three disciples. Group four was Peter, James, and John. It was, it was even a smaller circle. See how the circle keeps getting smaller and smaller? Peter, James, and John, their relationship and circle was a lot closer than the other nine. Jesus let them see humanity. He let them see weaknesses. He let them see struggles and experience things no one else did. When Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Olives and Moses and Elijah were there, only Peter, James, and John saw that moment. When he was in the garden in his darkest hour, the disciples were on the fringe, but Peter, James, and John were the ones that were in all the way inside the garden with him. When the upper room or chambers of Jairus' house, when Jairus' daughter is dead and she has died, Jesus leaves the nine outside with the mourners, but only Peter, James, and John walk into the inner chamber with Jairus' daughter. When the Jesus passes away and, and, and Mary comes back and tells them that he's alive, only Peter and John actually run to the tomb that day and actually see if Jesus is actually there or not by entering into the tomb. Peter and John were those two disciples Jesus sent out to prepare the upper room for his Lord's Supper. They were a closer relationship with him. But can I tell you, the circle gets smaller. Because group five, there's one disciple left. We had Peter, James, and John, but it even gets smaller out of that. And it falls down to a guy by the name of John. When all left, there was false until it ended at all. John's the only one that the Bible recalls was standing there all the way to the end. Peter ran because he's ashamed. We don't know where James and the other disciples are hiding. Only John stood at the cross and watched him say, it is finished. He's the only one that stayed to the end. The the disciple whom Jesus loved. You realize he was also the only disciple to live a long life and die of natural causes. The rest of them died 
you know, just horrific deaths. You see, understanding was the responsibility of the oldest child to take care of his elderly parents. And while Jesus was on the cross, Jesus did not want to leave anything left unfinished. So the most important thing to him at that moment in his fleeting, dying breath was his mother at the cross. And he looked to John to say, son, behold thy mother. mother." He said, John, please take care of my mama for me. He even finished to that degree making sure his mother was taken care of. Gives it to John. And finally, girls, you make your way. The last part of this. The effect of God on your life is linked to your assignment. If God has not changed you, then your assignment cannot be given properly. The Bible says, for I have plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Just because God has plans doesn't mean we always get to the plans of God because we haven't allowed God to take the lead. He said, no matter who you are, Pauls or Apollos are one group, saved by Jesus, affected by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He reminded them that the effect of his ministry and the effect of Apollos' ministry all were due to by that they preached Jesus. The most important, Paul said multiple times in his writings, that the most important thing was to ensure that we build on a foundation which was Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. That word effect literally means something that has been influenced, changed because of a result of action or... You know, Jesus' ministry... He had a big effect on people because anybody that really got close to him, they were changed. The woman with the issue of blood healed. Blind Bartimaeus healed. Lazarus resurrected. Deaf people, blinded eyes, lame people. When you got close to Jesus, you left differently. You couldn't help but leave differently. The Apostle Paul and Apollos active ministry, if you will, on the New Testament church. As a kid, I don't know how many of you ever did this, but I used to love going down to like a pond or a, a, a flat body of water, not necessarily the ocean with the rays coming in, but a, 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 you know, a pond or a lake. And I used to, Sister Brenda, like to find a flat rock. And I used to like to turn my arm sideways and see how far I could skip that rock down the pond. And I picked this picture up here for the circle because it reminded me of something that we call the ripple effect. Because as that rock began to skip, ripples, you'd see them come off that bigger, bigger. They just, they kept, you'd see that effect, that swirling of the rock skipping across that water. And everywhere the rock hit the water, it left an imprint on the water. When it hit the water, a ripple. But it was, but you notice the rock never stopped at that ripple. It kept going to the next. And every time, Brother Rocky, that that rock would skip, and when it would skip, the ripple would have him back here, but it hit the water again, and that would cause a ripple. And it kept going, and the further it went, the more ripples it created. It didn't stay stationary. It kept going. But it affected the water every time it hit it. God did not call his church to be a stationary church. He called us to be a church on the move. 
Church of Laodicea and other churches, y'all got fat, happy, and lazy. Y'all, you know, that's, you lost your first love, you're complacent, everything's great. God called his church to be a moving church, a going church, a thriving church. Because God's design was for everywhere we go, we leave an imprint on the people we're around. And, and while we minister to them, as soon as we get to the next person, we minister to them. And over time, we have a ripple effect of all the places that our feet have touched. The gospel of Jesus has been proclaimed. In effect, in First King, or Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 18, we find the story of a king by the name of King Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah at that time. And he had intermarried. In, a, in terms of a treaty alliance with King Ahab, the wicked king of Elijah and Elisha's day. They're going out to battle. And Ahab asked Jehoshaphat, are you going to be on my side? And he said, yeah, I got your back. I got your back. He said, but I want to call the prophets in and see what they say about the battle. Well, Ahab had a couple guys that prophesied. Now, I just read it to you in Jeremiah. And if you'll just humor me, I'll be done in about five minutes. Just to Remember what I read to you in Jeremiah? Let me find the exact scripture. I did not send these prophets, but they ran anyway. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. In 2 Chronicles 18, on behalf of God, and they said, yeah, go, 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 yeah, yeah, go. But that's not what God actually said. In fact, Jehoshaphat, go back and read it, Jehoshaphat said, is there not one that really we can agree on? A prophet of God. Isn't there a man by the name of Micaiah that's nearby? And Ahab said, yeah, but he always prophesies negative to me. I don't like his words. I don't like what he has to say. He never gives me a good word. Boy, how many people, I don't want to go here, Lord. How many people have just followed a preacher because they only gave him good words. They didn't like it when the preacher talked about where they're living. So as long as my life is blessed and highly favored and I'm going to be rich, I love that preacher, but when he starts talking about sin and responsibility, I'm going to leave his church. Low preacher. That's good preaching if I am. I got a broke toe and I'm going to outrun because I don't want to get hurt anymore. Chris is right here. Stand in front of me in a minute. <laughs> they come. Micaiah shows up. He says, God said if you go to battle, it's not going to end well. Ahab said, what do you know? You don't know what you're about. He said, i tell you what. God do so to me if by tomorrow, if you make it back from battle, if you show back up and you sit back on this throne after battle, then you know I didn't hear from God. But if you do not show back up, let it be known that God is God and every man's a liar. Ahab said, see, I told you, he never gives The first guys, they prophesied, oh, God said but that ain't what God said. The battle gets raging the next the, the enemy king says, I don't care. I don't want you to fight. I just want Ahab. I want you all to find him and kill the king of Israel. So that's the marching orders. The Bible said Ahab told Joshua, I'm going to disguise myself. I'm going to hide myself so I don't look like the king so that I, I can sneak up on him. Listen, you can try to hide your sin before God, but God can see through your mask and your demise and disguise. And so Ahab goes through. Well, Jehoshaphat looks like a king, so they the enemy comes swarming in, and they get Jehoshaphat. Go back and read it in 2 Chronicles 18. They surround him, thinking he's the king of Israel. And Jehoshaphat remembered what Micaiah had said, 
And immediately the Bible said, he cried out unto the Lord, oh God, save me. I tried to hear your word. I called for the prophets. Oh God, I'm sorry. And the Bible says, go back and read. The Bible said, the Lord diverted the enemy's chariots and they literally you turned that word divert means they literally turned around and said we're going a different direction and they left him that's still another king that's still another kingdom but they left him alone and some guy standing up just shooting a what he thought was a pointless arrow just shooting out in the middle just hoping it hit something he was just shooting aimlessly in the dark just hoping something connected it hit right here in between the armor of Ahab he got in his chariot and the Bible said he ended up succumbing to his injuries and he died Jehoshaphat gets back and he realized Whew, I dodged a bullet there he knew that the effect of God on your life is linked to your assignment immediately when he gets back to Judah at the end of 2nd Chronicles chapter 18 and, second, and the beginning of 2nd Chronicles chapter 19 Jehoshaphat institutes a reformed government he strips down the Asherah poles. He tears down all the prophets of Baal's temples. He tells everybody, we are serving God. I don't care what happens after I die, but we are serving God. And he changed the face of the nation because he knew the effect of God is, is, is directly linked to the assignment of God on your life. You see, the question remains today the same as it always has. As we close today, who's in your inner circle? You can align yourselves with the Ahabs of the world, but you better hear the voice of God because sometimes what people say it in the word of the Lord, and you better know the difference between what thus saith the word of the Lord and what thus saith a man trying to portray he heard from God. I already told you Jesus' circle got smaller. Today I'm going to ask this. Before we close in prayer, with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's the clarity and call to you today. I wonder how many of you would say today to this pastor, Pastor, I need to make some changes in my life. Maybe you need to shift some people out, in or out of your circle that don't need to be there and put people in that do. I wonder if anybody would say today, Pastor, would you pray for me that God would help me to get the right people in my circle so I don't succumb to the things of this world. Would you raise your hand? Anybody in here tonight or this morning? Would you raise? Yes, God bless you, my sister. Praise the Lord. Praise you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Any others? I'm going to go out. Is willing to do this. We're only going to take about five minutes. If you're physically able. I'm going to ask you to come to this altar this morning and you and God talk. You can sit on the screen.